Hello and welcome to The More the Merrier with Donna G. I've been busy at the Toronto International Film Festival. Those interviews are still to be edited for you and I'll be rolling those out over the next few weeks, sometimes months, depending on whether the film will be released theatrically or on a streaming platform. So what's coming up for you today? Well, it's an interesting subject matter. It's a documentary by Saffron Cassidy, and it's called Designer, dollar sign, H-I-T. We'll get into the pronunciation of that later on in the show, but I want to get started with some music. And this is by Jade Electra, and it's called A Little Bit of House.
curated by the people for the people. CIUT 89.5 FM is the sound of your city. The following interview concerns a medical subject matter, so I just want to let listeners to be aware that they should consult their doctor if they share the same sort of illness as filmmaker Saffron Cassidy. The information that you're about to hear is in no way um, to suggest that you try this remedy on your own without consultation of a doctor. And Saffron Cassidy does get into that when we speak about the film. And the film is called Designer Dollar Sign H-I-T. You're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G. And joining me is director Saffron Cassidy. And Saffron has directed a film. Um, Hi and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. And I'm going to ask you to say the name of your film. The film is called Designer Shit. Okay. So uh, if you see the poster, the reason I asked Saffron is because it's dollar sign H-I-T. So I wasn't sure how you were <laughs> actually pronouncing it. And uh, audience, there is a reason for that name. But before we get into that, um, Saffron, can you share uh, your medical condition? And then we'll get into the subject matter of your film. Sure. Uh, I was diagnosed about 15 years ago with a condition called ulcerative colitis. Um, It's an inflammatory bowel disease. uh, And basically, it involves the immune system attacking the colon. So you have a lot of problems around, you know, inflammation in the gut, uncomfortable cramping and other gross symptoms that people don't like to talk about. But you know, a lot of people are affected by this illness, and it can be quite debilitating. How many medications are you on uh, to treat this illness? So when I was diagnosed in my early 20s, I was put on a medication. Um, it's, a, it's called a 5-ASA medication, and it's actually a pretty mild medication. Um, and it brought down my inflammation very quickly, and I went into remission. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. You know, this condition's never going to really negatively affect me. I can just take this drug. Uh, But what happened over the course of about five years is that that drug stopped working as well for me. So then I was put on drugs like steroids, which can have, you know, really nasty side effects, um, like weight gain, acne, joint problems. Um, Hair loss. Hair loss, yeah. Um, But then slowly even the steroids stopped really working for me. So there was another step up, which is biologics. Biologics are a great drug. They work by suppressing the immune system. They work really well for a lot of people. Um, I was considering going on biologics, but I just thought, you know, maybe there's something else I can do before I take that step. Maybe there's, you know, I haven't explored many natural options yet. I just kind of thought, you know, I was 30 years old at the time. I've already gone through kind of two rounds of medications that have failed me. Am I just going to continue being put on medications that work for a bit and then stop? Where does this end? So I started looking for another route to see if I could stop myself from climbing up that medication ladder, if you will. And um, today we're going to be talking about the subject of your film, which is fecal microbial transplant. And it's exactly what it sounds like. And from now on, we're going to call it um, FMT. 
I, I appreciated the way you started the film. You know, you're driving in your car and you're desperately searching for a washroom. And you and you mentioned the fact that that is the state of your life. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, at first it's 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 funny for about a minute. And then you think about you put yourself I put myself in your situation and how that can impact my life and looking for a bathroom and also the pain of it, um, the pain that's associated with your illness. Now, tell me, how did you um, deal with this illness socially? Yeah, I mean, that scene of me driving in my car and frantically searching for a bathroom, that was a daily occurrence for me. Um, I started to have all these triggers, if you will, in day-to-day life. So anytime I was stuck in a traffic jam, I would panic. What if I have to go to the bathroom right now? Sometimes I have 30 seconds to get to a bathroom. If I'm stuck in traffic, obviously I'm not going to make it. Um, The checkout line at the grocery store while I'm waiting to pay, my food is like on the belt. And I'm like, what if I have to run to the bathroom right now and like ditch my groceries? Everybody's going to be like, what is this girl doing? Mm -hmm. But, you know, all these social situations would send me into a panic. Um, And there's this scene with my doctor in the beginning too, where, you know, he considered my condition quite mild to moderate and said, you know, it doesn't affect your life that badly, does it? When I think about all these situations that I'm stuck in every day, I'm like, no, this is really negatively infecting my life, you know? Um, When he said that, when he said that, Saffron, I was like, you mean there are others who are worse off? Because what you have seems pretty bad to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was shocked when he said, it's not affecting your life that severely, is it? And I'm thinking, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah. I mean, you know, colitis and Crohn's disease can get to the point where you're hospitalized for long periods of time and you're getting uh, parts of your colon or the entire large intestine removed and replaced with a bag. Uh, That's kind of the worst case scenario. And obviously he sees a lot of patients who are in that boat. So compared Mm -hmm. to them, I guess I'm not that bad, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't uh, affecting me every single day. And at that point, I I said I was 30 years old at the time when I started making this film. Uh, I had spent my entire 20s dealing with this and it it was getting worse and worse every year. So by the time I was 30, that's when these triggers started coming up every single day. And I looked forward to the next 10 years of my life and thought, you know, I have goals for my 30s. You know, I want to have children. How how am I going to, you know, take keep working? and be a mother and take on all these roles that I want to in life while this condition is just getting worse and worse. I have to do something about it. And you're a filmmaker. If you're on set, you can't be running to the bathroom. What if you're, you're shooting something outdoors? (laughs) It's like, what are you going to do? Find the nearest bush. I, I was just, you know, picturing myself with your illness and, um, not only the inconvenience, but, you know, the social stigma and um, the the pain in your gut, the reality of that pain. Um, I really em- empathized with you uh, in that. And you're so young as well. And uh, so that right off the bat got me into the picture. And I'm saying that so that the audience uh, will know that you're not going to see uh, fecal matter right in your face. And you do a good job of that with your animation. Uh, 
Is that why you decided to introduce the animation portion of your film? Yeah, we wanted the anime, you know, it's kind of hard when you think about the subject matter, how do you um, demonstrate it in a way that isn't gross, even our poster art, it's like a gold poop emoji, like how do we make this cute and appetizing to a general audience, because I think it's an important subject matter that more people should know about, um, but I don't want to be too in your face with it. Um, yeah. So a lot of the animation we use, we use these cute little bug characters and we try to do like you know metaphors so instead of showing constipation we'll show bugs in a traffic jam for example and that was our way to kind of reach a more general audience without completely grossing people out <laughs> I'll forgive you for using the word appetizing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the creation of gut city um is an important part of the film in terms of getting the message uh through because people are used to the the poop emoji and I think that makes it easier for them to, um, oh, I almost said digest. Okay, we'll go with digest. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it easier for people to digest uh, what's happening in your film. And normally I don't like uh, talking heads, but in this case, it's necessary. And uh, your talk with the various doctors uh, in different countries. I really appreciate it. So who was the first, um, you have your, your doctor, Dr. Kim, um, your gastroenterologist. Now, who was the first doctor that you spoke to about uh, FMT? You mean as a filmmaker or as a patient? As a, as a filmmaker. Um, I think I started with, because we're based in Toronto, um, Dr. Moyetti at McMaster University. They've been doing a long-term study on fecal transplant to treat colitis uh, for a while. I reached out and to see if they would be interested in doing an interview, and they said yes, which was fantastic. Um, their trial has had great results. We got to meet a couple of patients who you know, were suffering really badly and got this treatment through their clinical trial and had miraculous results. Um, so that was kind of our jump off point. And it was really eye-opening to see. Obviously this research is still in its infancy. It's not available to the public yet, but the trials are demonstrating it's not snake oil. It's not this kind of, you know, pseudoscience thing. There are legitimate trials showing there's, there's promise there. And that was really exciting. You know, the doctor in Australia, Dr. Barodi, Mm -hmm. um, was quite informative as well. How did you link with him? So we have a patient in our film who did DIY fecal transplant himself uh, under the guidance of Dr. Barodi. So we were introduced to Dr. Barodi that way. Dr. Barodi is a very difficult man to get in touch with. He's kind of the OG uh, of this whole operation, fecal transplant. They have different laws in Australia. So here in North America, um, it's purely clinical trials that are allowed to do fecal transplant for different conditions. In Australia, there's a bit more wiggle room. So he has been performing fecal transplants on patients for a variety of conditions for a while. Um, and I just, I, I think of him as being kind of the most experienced because he has treated the most patients and he has this kind of view of it of, you know, we're still learning, but that shouldn't stop patients from accessing this treatment now, especially if they're in a desperate state where nothing else is working for them. We can't be withholding this treatment or this information from them. And the fact that you can only 
um, get this uh, the fecal transplant if you're part of a trial, which um, seems, you know, in effect, an ineffective way because there aren't that many trials. And how do you sign up for a trial if it's not available in your area? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the problem that I faced as a patient. Um, I was really interested in this McMaster University trial, uh, but geographically, I was based in Toronto and LA. Hamilton is an hour and a half from Toronto. It's not that far, but it's far enough that it makes it kind of inconvenient. Um, I think clinical trials are great. When people ask me like, oh, I want to try fecal transplant. How do I get access to this? I always say, look for a clinical trial in your area, but there's a long waiting list. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to even be eligible. And then, yeah, if you're lucky enough to have something in your area for your specific condition. Uh, For me, it wasn't an option. So I was kind of forced to find an alternative way. And the criteria to be a donor when they started listing the criteria, I thought, where is this miraculous person who, you know, has all, who doesn't have all of this, uh, you know, health um, sort of blockers in, mm-hmm. in, their, in, in, their, in their background. And it turns out that you actually live with one of these, with a match. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty intimidating when you hear these stool donation programs, the criteria required, because you can't have any of, you know, the typical things that you would think about, like no acute GI issues. Um, But really, you can't have a history of any kind of illness. You can't have been on antibiotics for several years or left the country. All these things that we now know affect the microbiome. It's a long laundry list. Um, But my husband, my partner at the time, my now husband actually did match all of this criteria he would have probably been eligible to be a stool donor in one of these programs so i was pretty lucky to have him (laughs) and he was so excited to help you (laughs) i know i always say you know people have different degrees of comfort in talking about this kind of stuff let alone doing a fecal transplant and i even though i did do it and i suffer from this illness i'm not a person that's necessarily comfortable talking about poop It's not something I love to chat about. My husband, on the other hand, is one of those people who just like has no issue whatsoever. Like, hey, did you go to the bathroom today? How was it? And I'm like, oh my God, you're so embarrassing. But he was a perfect stool donor because (laughs) no part of it grossed him out or made him feel self-conscious. He just thought this could help you and I could help you by doing this. So he was completely on board. And I I admire his enthusiasm. He's almost like a, you know, a, a, an eight-year-old boy um <laughs> or younger, he's a talking, little extra yeah <laughs> talking you know telling fart jokes or poop jokes and he was that enthusiastic you know that and I think he was just happy that uh that he was able to help you that he is you know in a position to help you the woman he loves because he just so obviously loves you um and that comes across in the film but the the person that uh, fascinated me beyond the scientists and that you health professionals that you spoke to um, was Chris Curtis and his mother Sky. Mm-hmm. How did how did you meet them? Was it through uh, Sky's book? Um, actually, it's kind of strange. So 
we're both based in Toronto. So there was an article in the Toronto Star probably 15 years ago about their story. And it was right when I was diagnosed with colitis. So somebody, like one of my parents' friends sent me this article being like, hey, have you heard about this? And I was like, fecal transplant, what is this? Um, at the time I wasn't that sick. So I thought, you know, I'm not gonna go ahead and do that, but that's interesting information. And I kind of just kept it in my back pocket. Um, but then just through like mutual friends, I, I actually knew Charlie. And it came out years later that he was the guy from the Oh, article. sorry. I've been calling him Chris. Charlie. I meant Charlie. Charlie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, my, you're the guy who I read about in the Toronto Star 10 years ago. I've been thinking about you without realizing that I was, you know, acquaintances with him. Uh, once I made that connection, I just kind of thought, you know, I have been thinking about doing fecal transplant. What do you think? And he just told me his entire experience and hearing it firsthand from how sick he was to how well he is today um it's it's incredible and it was really inspiring and he really kind of held my hand through this process and made it easier for me to make the decision to do this now um the the process is uh it's is not pretty um <laughs> you know uh blending uh blending stool in a blender and then you know administering it uh yourself and um how was that first time <laughs> the first time I did it I mean I bought a blender that was dedicated to just this I wasn't just using my kitchen blender um, oh of course not <laughs> So I did it in my bathroom, you know, my, my husband left a deposit as we call it in the bathroom. And when I went in, it was in a little bowl sealed and I did the blending. And I just remember that first time thinking, I will never get this smell out of this bathroom. Like I felt like it was on me. And I think I bleached the bathroom like five times before I was comfortable. Mm -hmm. So the actual blending part was the most difficult um I had a pretty good system though like I do think I did it in a way where like afterwards it was very sanitary <laughs> mm -hmm. but then the actual administering of the enema uh isn't that different from the medication I would normally take when you have Crohn's colitis a lot of the medication is done via enema anyway so that part actually felt similar to my usual medical protocol were you surprised at how many illnesses were related to gut health yes completely that I shocked mean, me yeah I, I feel like we're at the tip of the iceberg right now with everything we're learning about the microbiome um it made total sense to me that you might have uh dysbiosis in your gut that could cause symptoms of colitis or Crohn's or IBS but when you take it a step further and know that you know this dysbiosis of gut bacteria can cause neurological problems or metabolic problems, the amount of conditions they're studying in clinical trials right now from autism to Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, obesity, uh, it's really incredible. Yes, and uh, it all stems from the fact that you know we don't have that um, microbial diversity in our systems that was in existence, you know, up 50 years ago. So that's why we might be seeing an increase in some things. I don't want to, you know, say a, a cause and effect, but, you know, our gut is not as diverse as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the most clear trend we see in the past 50 years is that 
as infectious illnesses go down, as we start using things like antibiotics to quickly treat infectious illness, all these illnesses that used to have a higher death rate are going down, but now we're seeing this huge increase in these illnesses that have to do with the microbiome. So we're killing off the microbes to treat one thing, but by killing them off generation after generation, it's becoming more of a problem where children born today who are using regular antibiotics, eating maybe a more westernized diet that doesn't, uh, doesn't have treat the microbiome. Yeah, have fiber, fiber. Diversity. We're starting to see this trend. And it was, you know, mostly a Western trend, but it is starting to migrate like all over the world as we all start to adapt these behaviors. We're seeing it in countries that we didn't see previously. And the fascinating fact is that people, when it does work, people don't, the scientists don't know why it works and why there are some uh, side benefits to it as well. Mm-hmm. So that is, you've opened up a fascinating area uh, for me in terms of, you know, in terms of health and also in filmmaking. Uh, you've managed to blend the two very well. And uh, designer shit is something that I think everybody, um, everybody who's curious, uh, because the people who have your illness will gravitate towards it. But if you have a curiosity about how the body functions and how and how it, you know, may not, um, this film will appeal to you as it did to me. And uh, Gut City, the animations and the pixelation of the the poop um, and the discussions with all the doctors makes this film very worthwhile. And uh, and it's funny. It's a, serious, <laughs> it's a serious topic that you've managed to make funny. And I thank you very much for that, Saffron. Oh, thank you very much. We didn't get into the designer portion that is mentioned in the title, but Saffron's film does get into the details of what happens with future treatments for these gut-related illnesses that impact so many parts of our body. Are we going to have designer pills that people will be able to take? How much will it cost? Who is going to dispense this new technology, technology, these new drugs. So there's that whole aspect of the film. And I do definitely recommend that you watch the film because it's an interesting um, scientific path that we're on with these drugs. And uh, in terms of curing so many of the other diseases that are related to the gut, and it's absolutely fascinating. And as I said, there is no gross out feature um, with this documentary. The documentary will begin streaming on September 21st. So look out for it on various platforms. You're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G on CIUT 89.5 FM. CIUT 89.5 FM, the sound of your city. Stream us anytime at www.ciut.fm.
No more dating DJs. No more dating DJs, MCs, producers, hip-hop critics, radio hosts, etc. Wanted, a girl to date a DJ. Must have strong arms for heavy lifting. Includes crates and my ego. <laughs> Looks not important to me. You will never look as good as the girls on my bootlegs, white labels, and CD covers. But please try not to look uglier than any of my DJ buddies' girlfriends. I really hate that. Don't touch my equipment. I like music, long walks on any street that sells used records. Music, being a hater. Music, and I do like music. Must be able to watch several hours of DMC World Championship video footage. P.S. If you've never heard of DJ Rectangle, please do not apply. I'm done with dating rappers, MCs, DJs. I'm looking for a real nice Rogers Cable guy who thinks the technique is a way to make love to me. I don't think you know. I was in love with your potential. I thought your hands were speaking to me. Remember when we met and you were on that Jungle Brothers back to Africa trip? You got me to throw away my rope chain. Even took the chemicals out my hair. You said you were my man and we would be a strong black unit for change. But your mama's basement was too small to house the revolution. Grown ass man, but why move out and get a job? You said you were about to make some cheddar off all this rapping and producing. Wait till you play me the new shit. You said the sexiest thing about me, besides my fat ass, was the way I made you think. And me and my fat ass was tickled pink. But now it seems like my cords are the only thing you tickle. I'm tired of eating invisible scratch pickles. I stopped buying your mixtapes the day you said girls can't DJ cause their inner ear is smaller and it throws off the mixes. Fuck a guest list. After three years, I'm more than just a guest. But I guess you just ain't know. I stopped analyzing your lyrics when you stopped listening to my radio show. And don't ever get it twist. I'm telling you, the worst groupies have dicks. Every guy I know can tell a story about a hoe and some rap star. I ain't hating, it's the truth, dog. I witnessed it, I swear. Now you're a man, at least for the groupie, she's about to give sex. You already passed your tape to the rapper, he's about to beat the face now. Why are you still there? And these groupie hoes with their five minute hugs, I don't watch no face, but these girls take pleasure in provoking me. And I can't say shit, I got to retaliate in silence, cause the lanyard from your backstage pass keeps on choking me. And no, I don't want to hang out with the other DJ girlfriends. They're adapters, automatic after performance clappers, preparation H for swollen ego asshole rappers. They adapt to any climate, giving dap out any time it seems appropriate. You take these girls for joke, skin teeth like the two of y'all gonna live happy ever after. They study dinosaurs. We call them dino whores. Why? 
Cause that's what you call the girls who flock to the clubs on a Saturday night to do what she can to catch a Toronto Raptor. She's an adapter. You can take your yellow page and dub plate making body tricks, but personally I'll pass. Used to give a fuck about turntablism, but now you could basically galloping scratch my ass. I, I know I sound amplified. You can tell your friends it's just hate. Remember when you broke my faceplate? Nigga, the best mixer you ever had was a Gemini. And if I hear one more DJ cutting the hell out of Peter Piper, that's your ass. Not bad, meaning bad, but bad, meaning good. Not bad, meaning bad, not bad, meaning bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. But sometimes we just want to hear the tune, bitchin'. And it's not the DJ, it's me for thinking he's listening to what he play and the messages he's putting in the universe. But when really I think about it, what you say ain't who you are. I mean, Luther's still singing about girls. And I mean, Al Green was just a love machine who sang love and happiness. While offstage, he brutally dislocated his wife's shoulder and fractured both her wrists. She probably plays his 45s gingerly with broken arms, listening to him sing tender love songs and thinks, who the hell is this? So ladies, the fault also lies in us if we mistake talent for tenderness. A beat is not a love song. A guest list is not a love letter. But until I'm sure I've learned the difference, I just won't date DJs, MCs, producers, hip-hop critics, radio hosts, etc. Outstanding. to sleep. I pray to my Lord, my soul to keep. Plus to find me a brother slash lover this deep. <laughs> be forever grateful. No classification for the fascination. I steady face it. Watch a raster man conversating. Islam is not as gracious, so righteous, no contemplating. Rastafarianism, rudest mental mechanism. Made you want to kiss him. The way he spoke, he'd want to listen. Blessing you with his presence. Teaching you with his lessons. He's like a god when he resting. No other could address him, but they did disrespect him. Cause the way he was dressing, Harry strength and he'd protect him concealed it like a weapon rolling tight with his brethren even Bob Alam was fretting chose to rent for transportation the shackles were saying as he dealt with emancipation the things he's saying have you no longer want to grant your services to devilish That's purposes right. royal like the color purple is he stating what his purpose is and most of y'all brothers is purposeless no doubt he saw it saying something so sweet What's up, girl? check out what he said Hurt child, boy, you'll never survive. Relationship with me and my queen, it should be worthwhile. Mind never fertile, body never sterile. One day she gonna give me a son plus a girl child. Her style, hurt child, boy, you'll never survive. Relationship with me and my queen, it should be worthwhile. Mind never fertile, body never sterile. One day she gonna give me a son. I mean, deep conversations to build on correlations. His quotes and sayings have me envisioning relations. Knew I should be patient, but failed to make creations. Cause every time he spoke, he said my eggs in ovulation. Mental sensations when we born through meditation. Like herbal medication causing natural levitation. He's like Moses when he's scripting. No weapons carried with him, just a Bible for wisdom. Keeping him from mental prison. Girls never got with him. Blinded by the shillings. Rolled at ruffians who made livings. On black on black killings. But now he's here to free his women. The way that knowledge did him. As he dealt with love starvation, the things he's saying. Have you no longer want to grant your physical to being too a cynical? Rather rise into a pinnacle, becoming something mystical. Like a miracle, baby. That's right.
I mean, hush to urcha, boy, you'll never survive. Relationship with me and my queen, it should be worldwide. Mind never fertile, body never survive. One day she gonna give me a son, plus a girl child, hush to urcha, boy, you'll never survive. Relationship with me and my queen, it should be worldwide. Mind never fertile, body never survive. One day she gonna give me a son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break it down, break it down, break it down. Gotta let these people know. Right? Many years same routine. Lay me down to sleep. Praying to my Lord, my soul that he would keep. But never thought he'd give it to you. A brother so sweet. You got them children in the street laughing and talking about me. <laughs> Dancing. You got the kind of rhythm make me start dancing. To have a reggae beats that we make when we relate. Good to see a brother like you. Ain't in it for the game. Said you want to father my seeds with African names. Sometimes we dance up in the rain. Calling each other names like Yo. king and queen. I'm in the meantime. Working real hard so we can recline from the city back home for more free time. We agree time we need so we can just climb as we sip on homie juice in the sun and recline. So good, throw this on tape and press rewind. So good, throw this on tape and press rewind. So good, throw this on tape and press read. It's so good, baby. It's so good, baby. It's so good, baby. It's so good. It's so good, baby. It's so good, baby. It's so good, baby. It's so good. Royal never survive. Relationship with me and my queen should be worldwide. Mind never fertile, body never stir One day she gonna give me a son plus a girl child. Star urcha. Royal never survive. Relationship with me and my queen should be worldwide. Mind never fertile, body never stir One day she gonna give me a son. That's right. Yeah. Send this out to all my dreadless brothers. That's right. No doubt. My Afro brothers. No doubt. Can't forget y'all. My Rasta brothers. All the brothers worldwide just keeping it real. Real, real. Much love to ya. Much love. Listen to the more the merrier with Donna G. That was a long set for you. After the interview with Saffron Cassidy, you heard Dreamer by Nikki Lawrence. And after that, you heard No More Dating DJs by Gemini and Quest for Love, Black Pearl featuring Manchild. And those last three um, are from the Femme Fat Honey Drops CD, a compilation of all female artists. And uh, that was over 20 years ago, I believe that CD is that um, that old. It's vintage. Um, coming up now, I have two long pieces for you. You're going to hear Source uh, by Nubia Garcia, and that's the name of the CD, Source by Nubia Garcia. And then we'll end off with Brown Man and Two Clear Nights. Thank you so much for listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G. If you want to get in touch with me, my socials at TMTM with Donna G on Instagram and Facebook. You can also reach me via CIUT. The website is www.ciut.fm. Sundays, 1 to 2 p.m. Click on that, listen live, tell your friends. And if you miss an episode, there's usually one or two podcast episodes uploaded there. But if you want the full extent of my podcast, you can do so via my Instagram at TMTM with Donna G. Just click on link in bio and you'll see a slew of shows. Thank you so much again for tuning in.
See you next week. Bye-bye.
Tudo bonito, minha gente!